everyone. Welcome to the show today. I'm Rebecca. I'm your host here at the Planting Wildflowers podcast. And I wanted to start the show today by saying thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me here in this space. But a special thank you to those of you who have been sharing this show with other people, uh, for leaving me comments, for liking and subscribing. This has a powerful impact on the number of people that I'm able to reach. And I'll tell you, it was never a goal of mine to make this, you know, some gigantic podcast. You'll, you'll notice, like, I don't subscribe to advertisements or anything like that, even though I could at this point. I would prefer for the show, for the foreseeable future at least, to just be about good conversations. And the fact that you're willing to share that shows me a couple of things. One, that you're enjoying the content, and two, that you trust the fact that I will continue to deliver some great shows to you. So thank you very, very much for that. I don't take that lightly. I see that as a great honor and I extend my extreme gratitude to you. On today's show, I want to explore an idea, something that was placed with me by a colleague and a friend of mine, someone whose professional life really requires for her to be an extremely effective listener. She works in a profession where she's offering counseling services to people in um, crisis situations. So she is hearing some, uh, what I can only describe as awful scenarios, things that are very difficult to, you know, um, hear and to understand furthermore. And as a result of her time in this um, profession, rather, she has really gleaned some important information and she dropped a truth bomb on me the other day that has been really sitting with me and I wanted to explore it with you guys today. She talked about the fact that the words that we use sometimes can create injury. And I'd never heard anybody describe words creating that before, an injury. Because when I think of injury, I think of something tangible something that you can see or touch or witness in some way. But she was like, no, 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 no. Think about this. Words are very powerful, which we've established. We've had previous conversations on this show, in fact, about the importance and the valuable um, meaning behind the words that we choose to use. My colleague took it to a whole other level, though, when she associated the word injury with words. The reason we were talking about, the reason it came up in the first place was we were talking about some of the really negative commentary that we're seeing popping up on social media and how unfortunate it is that people are just in this situation where they just, they want to be heard so much, so badly that they're willing to lash out and use language that they might not use any other time in their life. And they're using that and they're yielding, wielding rather those types of words at people that they would consider friends and family and acquaintances. The problem with reckless speech, I'm going to call it that, is that it can't be taken back. That's one of the biggest principles behind choosing your word and elegant speech is that once it's out there, it's out there. It's one of the rare things 
that, you know, you, you can apologize all day long and you can never draw that back inward. It can never be unheard, right? Once you know something, you can't unknow it. Once you hear something, you can't unhear it. So words are powerful. Positive words, I know that you know exactly where I'm talking about. You, you, someone has said something to you somewhere along the line, and it has felt good in your body. Like you've actually felt it. Whatever it was that they said, it stirred something in you and you felt either excited or overjoyed or there was a, a visceral, physical response from those words. On the flip side of that now, we are seeing uh, just a, 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 a downward slip into the consideration for what we're saying to one another. I'm saddened by it personally because I'm a, a very empathetic person. I am witnessing people who who need who need to let out what it is that they're holding on to. So I have this degree of empathy for them. But at the same time, I recognize that the path that they're choosing, this lashing out verbally, is doing themselves and other people zero good. It may come to a point where they reflect on their own choice of words and some of the speeches that they've made, whether it's in print or otherwise. And maybe they feel a sense of remorse or regret associated with that. It doesn't matter. Because that's in another time and space. That's a what if. That's a maybe it will be, maybe it won't be kind of scenario. But once those words are unleashed in the present, the impact that they can have is, in some cases, pretty catastrophic. Like my friend used the word injury. When I asked her to explore that a little bit with me, she she was very good at revealing what it was she was speaking about. So in her profession... As I mentioned, she works a lot with uh, crisis situations and things being described to her in vivid detail, names being thrown at, at people, and specifically with the names. She said that can create an injury that does have a visible impact. And I'm like, I didn't get it at first. So she further took me down the road to explain If you're called something that goes against every moral fiber in your body, maybe it's, I don't know, think of some of the words that have been tossed around lately that are, whether right or wrong, they're they're being tossed around at a a rapid pace, misogynist, racist. Um, You can think of some of those extreme words. When something like that is unleashed on a person, it causes them a moment of discernment for sure where they're they begin to question whether or not that is a label that applies to them so the injury comes in the form of rocking one's confidence because even though this the individual who has been called one of these or or has been associated with a, a label they can discern whether this is coming from a person who is, you know, intensely emotional in the moment, 
if there were other variables, they're able to see that for what it is, but it doesn't eliminate the risk associated with that person now feeling less confident in themselves than they did prior to hearing this label being thrown their way. When someone's confidence is damaged, the actions that they take are shifted. They start to question themselves more often or they become more reclusive. They they don't approach situations with that level of vigor that they once did. And that changes and compounds over time. The injury continues. I found this really powerful. I can think of some situations where people I know and people I I love and respect have been caught up in situations like this where they've been inappropriately condemned, let's say, and been labeled in a way that is unfair towards them. And it has changed them as a person. They've been injured by the word. So I got to thinking, when we physically injure ourselves, we take action, immediate action, actually. When we're injured, we don't, we don't wait around. We don't you know, look down at our broken arm or the giant scrape on our body and think, okay, yeah, I've been injured. I'm going to get to that at some point. We don't do that. We take immediate, swift action. And our only goal is to mend or heal that situation. We really live in the moment when we're physically injured. Is the same true when we are intellectually or emotionally injured? The answer is no. Not always, anyhow. You might be able to think of a situation where that's not truth, but generally speaking, we do not take immediate action. In fact, what I believe is that we spend a period of time after that injury, intellectual or emotional, and we spend that in discernment. We go through the process of wondering if there's any element of truth. We might go through an emotional phase of sadness. We may go through an emotional phase of being angry. So the the injury itself continues to fester while we consider what we will do to heal ourselves. Does this resonate? Is Is this making sense? It's crystal clear in my head but I've been thinking about it for a little bit. So what can we do when this has been presented to us? How do we heal ourselves? How can we put ourselves into a position where we can consider our personal healing and maybe even extend healing to the person who has caused the injury? Sounds wild, right? To want to even be able to do that. But truth of the matter is, the variables set us up to want to be able to fix the situation, not only for ourselves, but also for others in many cases. So I wanted to present the idea of meditation. So before you turn me off, 
let me just go further. It's a specific style of meditation that is really appropriate to this type of work. It's called loving kindness meditation. I was first exposed to this kind of meditation when, oh geez, how long ago would that be now? It's two it's November of 2018. I was very lucky to be able to travel to Guatemala with my husband. And we were on a doTERRA co-impact sourcing trip. We were with uh, about 40 people. And on that trip, we were very deeply bonded just due to the fact the work that we were doing, the the deep understanding of the philosophy of, of the company that we were all working for. It just it was something that is indescribable. It was a very cohesive group and the bond was something that was just, just extraordinary. As part of the guidelines for that trip, we were instructed that it that we not get into conversations that were of a political nature or a religious nature. I liked that because that seems to be where things can go sideways for people. So in order to maintain the integrity and the cohesiveness of the experience, those topics were off limits. One night, one of the amazing women in the group suggested and requested that she facilitate a loving kindness meditation for us as a group. It was to honor what we had experienced together as a group and to nurture our souls because we had seen some things that uh, were uncommon to us. We had seen you know, um, people in much more unfortunate situations that, than what we were. And it was important for us to honor that moment in a very um, beautiful way. So the meditation was presented as an option for doing that. And everyone thought that that was great. So I want you to picture we're in the middle of the Guatemalan jungle and it's nighttime and we had all just had a beautiful meal together. And she gathered us all for this. And I remember feeling in every part of me just this sense of overwhelm and joy and peacefulness. And I I always do this. I always wonder when I'm meditating, are other people feeling this too? I always think of other people. And I was very aware of the fact that every person <laughs> that was participating felt the same as me when we were all brought out of that meditation. It was very evident that the entire group had been moved in a profound way. So I, I wanted to bring this style of meditation to your attention. As a planting wildflowers audience, I know that you guys are into things that are related to natural health. I know that you're inquisitive and I know that you're open-minded. So if you have meditated in the past, it's very likely that you have experienced a meditation that is in this style, loving kindness meditation. If you're brand new to meditation, never done it before, this might be exactly the entry point that suits you best. It's very easy to learn. It's guided. It's very easy to teach other people. So if you have, you know, kids in your home or others in your home that would benefit from a few moments of stillness, uh, this could be exactly the thing. Here's what I love about this style of meditation. First of all, it is the goal behind it is to focus on developing the feelings of goodwill 
empathy and warmth towards other people. So I think in every household, we could stand to improve ourselves just a little bit in this area. Um, You know, empathy is a muscle that needs to be exercised with some regularity, compassion also. And in doing so, it rewards you back tenfold. There's uh, quite a bit of research that's been done on this style of meditation. It's been researched only recently, although meditation itself is a highly researched topic. This style of meditation has only recently begun to be observed for the benefits and the you know, outstanding rewards that it actually offers to the person practicing. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to share some of those benefits with you. You will experience benefits the first time you meditate. You might feel a sense of relaxation. You might feel a sense of calm. You might feel less anxious. Depends where you're at in your life. But beyond that, if you practice with some type of regularity, a few minutes a day, you're going to start to notice things like an elevated sense of well-being. I talk about all of this in an article that I recently wrote. It was just published on March the 1st from Best Holistic Life. I'm going to put the link to that article in the show notes for today. And I do hope you check it out. Maybe share it with someone else that you think could benefit. The whole magazine is fantastic. My article is amongst many, many beautiful pieces that are in there. So I do hope you check it out. But as I was saying, it is highly associated with elevating your overall well-being. If you're someone who is suffering in some way from an ailment, I want you to consider that meditation has been noted as providing relief from, from illness. So it is a beautiful practice and provides relief from the things that are causing us more and more undue stress in our life. It also is supportive of increasing our emotional intelligence. This is what I love. Like I said before, it's like a muscle, empathy and compassion. The more you use it, the more it increases. So those feelings of goodwill towards other people are elevated and extended beyond where you might be at today. So I'm going to put the link to a landmark study. It's by Barbara Fredrickson and her colleagues. And it suggests that practicing seven weeks of loving kindness meditation increased love, joy, contentment, gratitude, pride, hope, interest, amusement, and awe. These positive emotions then produced increases in a wide range of personal resources. So think of things like mindfulness, purpose in life, social support, decreased illness symptoms, and then in turn predicted increased life satisfaction and reduced symptoms of depression. An easy practice to affect all of those areas of life. In terms of healing, it is suggested through these studies, and again, I will post them in the show notes, that this loving kindness being practiced with regularity decreases migraines and chronic pain, decreased symptoms of PTSD. That study will be posted here as well for you to check out. And decreased symptoms of schizophrenia spectrum disorder. 
that one shocked me. That was a pilot study by um, Johnson. Oh, it escapes me right at the moment back in 2011. And I will, I'll make sure that that gets um, put into the show notes as well. Cause I know that that's of interest for many people also loving kindness supports that emotional intelligence. And if I were to suggest one thing, one thing, in my opinion, that could support this idea that we started off with today, that the words we choose can create injury. What would be the solution to that? Our emotional intelligence, of course, is the solution. When we have a heightened level of emotional intelligence, we, we pause for a moment. We discern whether the words we're firing off at someone provide value to the situation, to the person, or to ourselves. What I'm witnessing is a no to all three currently. But when we practice something as simple as loving kindness meditation, perhaps it increases our ability to pause, to discern, and make an action based on that discernment. Maybe we don't lash out. We can't take it back. Our goal with one another, what it doesn't, regardless of how you feel about a person, is not to injure other people. Loving kindness meditations activate empathy and emotional processing in the brain. What I find fascinating about this practice is this. Loving kindness meditation, if practiced with some level of regularity over a period of time, increases gray matter volume. So this happens in the areas of the brain that are related to emotional regulation. Think about that for a minute. I was chatting with... um, the women in my wildflowers collective meditation group that's a membership program if you haven't already heard about it it's it's open always so if you're curious and want to jump in you're always welcome but we were talking before about how meditation goes far beyond the impacts that we think are associated with it in fact longevity and quality of life are associated with meditation not just in an idealistic way, but in a scientific way, we were talking about the fact that telomeres, so the the caps on the end of our genes, the way we express ourselves in terms of whether we're going to express uh, symptoms of disease or symptoms of wellness, the length of the telomeres is directly related to all forms of disease and um, the way we live our lives. Meditation has been proven to elongate telomeres, therefore creating a healthier overall well-being, a greater quality of life, and perhaps a longer life in health. Something to think about. There, There is a lot of science, a lot of research behind this. So if you're curious and you start digging, you're going to find an awful lot and you will be very pleasantly surprised. So for those who have ever thought meditation was something that was not maybe a priority, didn't have time for it, maybe you are still subscribing to the idea that it's not for you because you can't sit still long enough or you can't turn your brain off, 
I want to encourage you to ditch those thoughts because here's a couple of things. You don't have to sit. There's a form of walking meditation. There's lots of forms of meditation. So you can practice that way. The goal is definitely not to turn off your brain. In fact, the goal is to create awareness about your thoughts so that you can make better choices, you can strengthen your discernment, and you can take greater action in your life. So meditation is for everyone. It impacts everyone for the greater good. It impacts everyone around you. Should you choose to begin practicing meditation, guess what? Your whole family is going to reap the benefits. This I know. So I want to leave you with that for your consideration today. You'll find some good stuff in the show notes, of course. So dig around, get comfortable with some of what we talked about today. But I love the fact that we can get together and find a solution to a problem as a group. Loving kindness meditation is a practice that is easy to do, easy to practice, and is a solution to this epidemic, I'm going to call it, this plague of of verbal abuse that we are, some of us are launching on one another, whether it's through social media or in person or in whatever, whatever way. The words we choose have the ability to create beauty, and they also have the ability to create injury. That word injury continues to stand out to me. I would never intentionally injure anyone. I'm witnessing it happening, but now we know that there is something that we can do about it. Perhaps the offender is not going to practice meditation, but perhaps you, as someone who cares about the way others feel and has this compassion and empathy already built in and working strong, perhaps you indulging in this practice will strengthen those around you. In fact, I'm sure of it. So as always, thank you guys for listening today. I would love to hear your feedback. I always love getting feedback on what you thought about the show. Maybe it provoked something in you. Maybe it opened you up and and created some curiosity. And maybe you decided that you're going to practice a loving kindness meditation. Ask me about that. I'd be happy to share one with you, or you can visit us over in our Wildflowers Collective Meditation Program. We would love to have you guest, you know, as a guest in our in our space. And then maybe you fall in love with the practice of meditation and you decide to, to stay there with us. Whatever works for you. Have a great day, everyone, in health and happiness. Look forward to seeing you again in the near future.